When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Equity of up to one hundred and fifty million pounds. You're on the theatre, fun. You're here to win games. We want to try to reduce this gap. I think that uh, a good team has to be good. Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I am your host, Andrew. It is episode 110, and we're going to talk about the FA Cup defeat today. Spurs will be another year without a domestic cup. Uh, I don't think they're coming back to win the Premier League this year. I Hey, they're still in the Champions League, but I don't know about that one either. <laughs> going to have to turn one around next week. Uh, Scott is with me to talk about this one here this evening. Uh, he is at DSM Spurs. Scott, what's going on, man? Chilling. Tottenham's just pissing me off today, man. But seems like a a common common theme. Tottenham pissing me off, and then hopping on a podcast with you to talk about it. So here we are. Well, you know that's the thing, man. I mean, it it hadn't been a common theme. I mean, things have been going fairly well recently. We I mentioned they've got to turn around a, a one nil deficit to Milan next week in the Champions League, but consecutive wins over West Ham and Chelsea. And this whole vibe that we talked about on su- on Sunday following the, the win over Chelsea with Christian Cellini at the head and things have been kind of going smoothly for, for the most part. And then all of a sudden um, this team, you know, makes six changes and heads up to Sheffield United in a game that I don't think anyone thought was going to be easy. I mean, I think we all knew this would be a tough matchup against a team that sits second in the championship um, that is is battling hard for promotion and is likely to get it frankly we're likely to see this team back in the Premier League next season um, and even even though they made changes as well you I think you kind of always knew that this would be a tough atmosphere and a tough midweek cup game sandwiched in between Premier League games on Sunday and Saturday and I think the biggest indicator of, of all of that is the changes that we got in this game. Yeah, 100%. I mean, the, you and I talked about on the last show that, that we're, the fixture list is congested. And, you know, I put a lot of emphasis on the Wolves match um, because I, I suspected a rotated side at some point. Um, you know, I I wasn't sure if I, if I thought I would see it against Sheffield or Wolves, right? Um, but either way, I knew that the, the Wolves game was going to going to be a point of emphasis for us um, because of the challenge ahead of us today. And, you know, I think what I was getting at was for us to get through today, it would mean that there was going to be some hiccups at the weekend against Wolves. And the opposite happened. But the fixture list is definitely thick. And, and you know, kind of to your point, I don't think that we can be surprised that we stumbled through this 
point of congestion with the lack of depth that we have in the squad. So it's interesting. If anyone listened to the little preview I did over with our friends at uh, Red Half of Sheffield podcast, um, you know, I was asked how much how much rotation would would I expect to see um, prior to this game, and honestly, my answer was not much. I, I thought there would be a little bit. Um, we got word kind of beforehand that Emerson Royale picked up a knock. So we knew we would see Pedro Poro. And I think that was one that might've been expected. Anyhow, you, you figure it's a good chance to get Pedro Poro's feet back into the thing, um, after just a, a really poor performance at Leicester. And I do want to come on to Poro's performance in this match, but six total changes in this game. Um, you know, Sonny comes back into the lineup, which again, not an unexpected change. You would expect that Sun has been on the bench for West Ham and Chelsea. Get him back in in the cup here. So I'm not shocked by Sun. But Lucas Mora was a surprise um, in the in the attacking trio uh, alongside Richarlison. And then Perisic comes back into the team. Again, not incredibly surprising. Um, Pat Matesar comes in for Oliver Skip. Um, and then Davis Sanchez in the back line comes in for, for Cudi Romero. And I guess... When I thought about it beforehand, I, I just was kind of thinking, well, sure, they're going to prioritize the FA Cup. You know, this is the last 16. You want to get to the quarterfinal. Um, there are a boatload of Premier League teams that have already been knocked out prior to this round. Um, you know, you look at the last eight now uh, where it sits, and it's really unfortunate. You know, you, you lose to Sheffield United, and Sheffield United now gets to host Blackburn Rovers in the quarterfinals. Um, imagine if, the, if Spurs were in that spot. Um, the other matchups in this, you know, Man City has to play Burnley, who right now lead the championship and are, of course, managed by the former Man City uh, legend, Vincent Company, And, and they're going to have all the motivation in the world to try to go to the Etihad and win that match. That's going to be a tough game for Manchester City. You have Manchester United Fulham is the is another quarter. Both teams, you know, fighting for for Champions League places right now. Um, and then Brighton Grimsby Town. And, and, and I just... I feel like this was the opportunity for Spurs to go after it and get into this last eight and see what happens. Um, and instead, they just go crashing out because of, I think, because of a lot of reasons. And I think the changes are part of this. Um, you're bringing in a bunch of players who, and I say a bunch of players, I think specifically Lucas Mora and Davis and Sanchez are two that we can say have not had a ton of playing time this season. Pat Matesar has had a little bit more in recent weeks, um, but of course Oliver Skip has kind of been shown more favor in the last handful of matches over him. Um, it's just, I don't know, man. It's it's interesting. I, you know, there's there was a lack of continuity on the pitch and a lot and because of the rotation, but there was also it seemed to me a lack of want to a lack of give a damn a lack of uh inspiration to go up on a on a rainy wednesday night in sheffield and get a job done that you knew was going to be kind of tough but honestly this team with this skill should be able to get done yeah man i mean i don't i agree with stellini that regardless of who started tonight we should have been able to get a result and i don't say that because sheffield shit or whatever again we've talked about it they're good and we were on their turf but we're a team that thinks we can compete for for major honors in Europe. We need to be able to go win this game, right? And I have I, I don't understand if it was a lack of desire. I think that's that's the obvious perception from the fan right now. I and I'm not I'm not questioning you saying that. I'm honestly saying I'm not sure if it's a lack of desire or fear, but it's one of those two things, without question. 
that led to our performance today. I look at guys like Dobbins and Sanchez, right? And you would think, sure, this is his moment to play. He should be fired up to prove himself. The dude has been second fodder for a long time, and he knows he's not usurping Romero, right? So he has no motivation to go out and prove himself better than Christian Romero today. He needs to move on. That's on the club. Um, it's on him for sure, right? But for, 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 for not showing up or having the desire, at least from the perception of the fan, right? I don't know, again, what leads to that, but it's something that, that the club has to address. Um, it's, it's obvious to paint between the lines with a guy like him. There's other guys I don't know, right, what leads to, leads to what we see today. You know, I, I look at a guy like Lucas. I think I understand why he would get a start. I think in this match, the club probably knows we're going to need an interjection of heart and desire and He's probably the one guy right now who hasn't been playing that you throw out there and you know he's going to be fired up to put in a shift, right? That's just kind of the guy he is, and he loves Spurs, and he loves to play. So, you know, maybe that was the the reason for him getting the nod. But from back to front, I just think my point is that the rotation doesn't come from a place of, of, of uh, you know, passion or desire to, to go put in a shift and prove yourself because we all know these guys really can't prove themselves at this point and they're just there to back up the guys that start in front of them, right? So that's that's never going to lead to lead to uh, the mentality that I think you need on the pitch in an FA Cup match. And, you know, it's kind of a theme that we've seen at this club for quite a while. And I think you can, again, start to paint the lines in between the lines as to why that is too, so... To, to your point, we've seen this pattern at this club a while. The starters uh, in the defense of this team, the last six times that we have been knocked out of the FA Cup, Dyer, Davis, Sanchez, all involved. And, and maybe it was just Dyer, Davis, or Dyer, Sanchez when we were playing a back four. But those three players have, have been involved in, in all of those years. And that shows a lot, too, because a lot of time when you're being – a lot of these games when Spurs have been knocked out of the FA Cup, it has been a rotated side getting knocked out because these are not games that have been prioritized by the club. Now, I'm also I'm also fully aware that this was really one rotation in a back three. It was Romero not playing instead of Sanchez. And I'm not saying that if Romero plays and Sanchez doesn't, this game goes differently either. I mean, I, I have to be completely honest in saying, too, that Fraser Forrester never should have let that ball go past him for the goal. I mean, I mean that was that was horrific goalkeeping. It was it was very poor goalkeeping. I it was very poor goalkeeping. It was very poor de- poor defending from Poro. It was very poor defending from from Sanchez, and then very poor defending from Dyer, followed up by very poor goalkeeping from Fraser Forrester. So just a calamity of a goal. But I do have to point out we didn't score a goal or even come close to scoring a goal. So like. We can talk about the defense all day long, but it doesn't fucking matter when you can't put the ball in the back of the net. You know, um, we should be able to come away with at least one goal today, and we didn't do that. Well, let's talk about that attack because honestly, Lucas Moore was the most surprising inclusion for me in the lineup, and he was also the best part of the attack. I thought he was mm-hmm. actually creating things, uh, dr- doing Lucas Moore things, dribbling with the ball. I mean, this is his first start since November, um, and he looked okay for being Lucas Moore. I'm not saying that he was a superstar out there, but he looked okay. 
and Richarlison and Son simply did not. I mean, they they were both just just dreadful. Um, didn't didn't produce anything. Richarlison just had no touch on the ball. It seemed like everything he tried was never going to come off. There were a few shot attempts that he had that were just looked like me trying to shoot the ball out there. I mean, it was it was really really bad, and it more than it being unpleasant on the eye from a footballing standpoint, it just looked like a lackluster effort. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I do agree with you that Lucas looked the most lively. Um, and again, kind of like I said, I think that was a, a decision the club made to to do just that, right? Interject a little bit of heart and passion into into a squad that was going to be lacking it. Problem, problematic that we probably knew it was going to be, right? But I think when you look at the front three, which is the point of, of, of all of this, Nathan A. Clark put out a great tweet, shout to him that, you know, this is a front three of guys who just put their head down and dribble, right? They're, they 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 very much drive with the ball at their feet. That's always going to be problematic. You need somebody in the front three who can who can move the ball and, and allow for interchange and overlap, and you don't get that, you know, with those three as a Somebody front three. like Kane or Kulisevsky. Exactly. You read my mind, man, because I firmly believe, and again, I'm not the type to be like, oh my God, if we just did this, we would have won. No, but if Kane or Kulisevsky starts today, I have a very hard time believing we don't find a goal. Those two create. The three that started don't. Sun has always been fantastic on the end of plays, not at all in the buildup. He never has been good in the buildup, right? He either drives fucking from an end to end and scores Puskas, or you feed him the ball at the top of the box and he puts it in the back of the net. That's what Sonny does, right? So, yeah, I mean, you got to put it on the on the on someone on the decision making too with the eleven today. Um, I don't think we were set up for success from an attacking standpoint, um, especially with the rotated midfield and fullbacks. I mean, that that I think three of the four behind behind the attack and in front of the defense, that midfield four were rotated, right? And we know that Pedro Porro is going to struggle for a little while. I'm not saying the guy's shit or anything, but he just got here and there was too much rotation. Sanchez behind him, no Kulisevsky in front of him. We were just we were we were lost for purpose, and it it showed. So I got I got to put a lot on the on the management too because I don't think we were set up for success with the eleven. I think you're right about that. I mean, it's interesting you're talking about that midfield four, and I, I thought Pat Matasar had a, a tough game, um, but but honestly. It wasn't like he had a howler. This was just probably the the worst I've seen him look since he's been starting to get regular playing time. He he took a tough booking and um, was subbed off after seventy five. I thought the other three, you know, when you're talking about the wingbacks and Hoybier, played pretty well. I will say about Poro. I mean, Poro looked okay going forward, but I you know everything that I'd read about Pedro Poro before he joined Spurs was that he was all gas and no breaks and just a zero defensively. And I think he might be less than a zero defensively. I mean, he does not offer anything on, on the defensive end to me that I've seen thus far. And I'm actually kind of baffled that that Spurs would have the confidence to play Davis Sanchez and Pedro Porro on the same side and not expect there to be some kind of calamity. Yeah, I think it's, it's a very good point. And you, you bring up Porro, I almost hate saying it, man, because I don't. I don't want to paint negativity where it doesn't need to be at all. It's like in general at all. But I think Poro, when I look at a guy who 
doesn't offer enough in the attack to be a winger, right? He's not quite good enough to be to be a, to be an out and out winger. Not quite solid defensively. Can play wing back like that's that kind of player, right? They don't have enough going forward, or or you know maybe to to be a true winger, but they're not a defender. They're in Portugal. You come to England. If you cannot defend in the Premier League, you're gonna have a bad time. We've seen it over and over again, right? And I'm just a little bit concerned that we got another one pulled over us as a club. And I hate saying something like that. Like I said, I don't want to pay negativity anywhere that it doesn't need to be. But I just don't feel great about the Pedro Poro signing because it's, it's really early. But I get I get what you're saying. I mean, it's 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 very very early. Very but, early. Very but, early. But, but you 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 admittedly kind of always have this mindset when when we sign a player, you're like, wait, why are we able to get this player? That exactly. That, and that's that's a big part of why I feel this way and what we're saying, right? Is that I just it just feels like another one where it was. I mean, we tried to buy this dude for a month and City could have bought him for $15 million, like could have had him back and they got rid of their right back on the last day. Right. So for some reason, no one else was interested in this guy and it took us an entire month to pay the release clause. Just doesn't feel great to me. And like I said, obviously isn't quite good enough to be a winger when it comes to an attacking standpoint and doesn't offer a whole lot in defense. And it just makes me nervous. I, I just didn't want people coming after you saying it's too early. I wanted to make sure that yeah, no, I appreciate you. Know that yep. that's not that's just kind of a mindset that you have, um, which is I I don't think it's an unfair mindset. It's not what I disagree. It's one not what I really agree with, but I don't think it's unfair for you to have skepticism whenever we sign a player and to think, wait a second, why were we able to get this player, um, especially when we spend on him? I mean, look, I I could I could kind of go down this road with Richarlison right now. I mean, I don't think Richarlison has you know especially for the price tag has has given the output and and a lot of that is through injury and um and other things but uh, you know I, it's it's been tough to watch for him because because this is a type of match where you would expect a player like richarlison to come in and be able to run it and be able to do a damn thing and get a goal or two and put his team in charge especially when he's got a even a struggling son next to him you would think that those two would be able to link up but um, no, Harry Kane had to attempt to come into the rescue, uh, with 35 minutes to go or 25 minutes to go in this match. Um, and that's, that's, what's tough. You know, once he and Kulisewski got on the pitch, you could see a little bit more of the, the, the attacking flow before we kind of have a little bit of a big picture conversation about the FA cup. Cause I do want to bring something up specifically about this club and the FA cup. This match was really poorly officiated too, and I am not one to dig on on officiating, but there was a a really obvious, I thought pretty obvious red card uh, early on in this match on on uh, George Baldick, who went in on Perisic, and it wasn't even called a foul, and if there was VAR in place, which there was not, I think that that could have been reviewed for for violent contact for for a basically a stud to the shin or, or close to the knee. Even it was pretty bad. Um, there were just a lot. It felt at times to me in this match that Spurs were the bigger, stronger, faster team, and they weren't being allowed to show that athletic ability by the way that the game was being officiated. And like I said, I am not one to, to pick out officiating and, and to dig at something you have to deal with, but 
there were parts of this match, especially early in the in, in the in the match. You know, I'm talking first half, where I just felt Spurs were were the more dominant squad. And and look, if you look at all the underlying stats in this game, Spurs did play better. Spurs did have more XG. They had more possession. They had more chances. Um, you know, Sheffield got. I don't want to say they got lucky. They deserved the victory. They they hung in there and got the goal that they needed to get this victory. But this felt like a match that Spurs could have had. And I'm not saying, look, it's it's all of these things that we're talking about, right? It's it's mistakes at the back. It's a lack of offensive prowess. But there was also a little bit of an officiating element to this match. And I just want to make sure we acknowledge that for those fans that are going to say, wow, they, they didn't even talk at all about the officiating and how poor it was in this match. Because I do think it was this was a tough one. Yeah, and I admittedly was in and out of the first half for some for work purposes. Caught the whole second half from 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 uh, front to back, but so I missed I missed that challenge, and I'll make sure that I go back and watch it uh, as soon as I can. But I, uh, I I would probably chalk that up to to the conversation more so around the fact that there wasn't consistent VAR across yeah. the competition in the fifth round of of the FA Cup, right? And I think had there been today, they probably would have gotten. A look at, at this at this tackle that many, including yourself, are upset about, right? So um, I don't understand how you have the most prestigious, what I would say, domestic cup trophy on the planet, and you don't have consistent refereeing across the competition. It's actually fucking mind-bending when you really well, think about that. Yeah, there should be VA, or you would think. And look, maybe, maybe I'm talking completely out of my ass here, but you would think that the FA is uh well enough endowed financially to be able to afford putting you know a, a system of var in all the stadiums that that these games are going to be played in and i understand that maybe the technology of var isn't actually able to be put in some of these really lower level stadiums but sheffield united are a team that you know we're in the premier league two seasons ago and and var was obviously implemented at at Bramall lane then um, there's no reason that it, it couldn't have been tonight. And I, I get there are yeah. other matches going on within the within the competition that you know they maybe can't have it at all the grounds, but geez Louise, it this to me would have been I'm not saying it was a guaranteed red, but it 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 number one, it definitely should have been a foul. It was not even called a foul. It very definitely should have been a yellow card, and it very well could have been a straight red for for the type of challenge. So like yeah, you said, I, well, I, know, I know you. I know you say you didn't get a chance to see it, uh, um, and I know you'll go back and, and see it, and we'll 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 get to talk about it on our own. But I mean, it was just I, like when I saw. I mean, Perisic was down on the ground for a few minutes, needed needed help, and um, it was it was it was a tough look. Yeah, well, and I just think you know it's it's another thing, and it being the lack of consistent refereeing across the competition is another item on the list of things that happen in soccer, especially European soccer that just have no explanation, right? Financial fair play being broken constantly and never having repercussions for that inconsistent refereeing. The fact that what we talked about last week, you know, that, that, that the, the, the VAR can't go in and, and uh, supersede a call of a referee, right? When they have a better look at what's actually happening as the VAR. So, um, but just yeah, just again another another thing on the long list of shit in European soccer that's just absolutely fucked. The 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 most the most 
or the most mysterious thing that I can think of in American sports is how the Astros kept their 2017 World Series. And we know that is because 32 teams were doing what the Astros did and the Astros just got caught. And Major League Baseball said, no way in hell we're opening this fucking can of worms on ourselves. And they just kept it, kept it quiet. So beyond the Astros keeping their 2017 title, I can't tell you one mystery that we live with as, as American sports fans, right? Says the man wearing the Houston Astros hoodie as we do this podcast together. <laughs> so uh, perfect. Come on, Astros. 2022 so, was a legitimate, baby. Let's roll. So perfect. Um, look, I, I, I want to talk to you for a second here before we get out of here about just this team in the FA Cup, this club in the FA Cup, because obviously there's a, a really great history in the FA Cup uh, with Tottenham Hotspur. And in the last 10 years, this team has made the semifinals of this competition two times, uh, back-to-back seasons. It was the 16-17 season and the 17-18 season. Have not been back there since. Have not, I don't think, been past this round, the fifth round, the round of 16 since. Th- th- there's, there's, just, there's a greater conversation to be had about the whole trophies versus top four thing. And I, I th- it's frustrating because... You know, I'll reference the preview I did once again with with the red half of Sheffield pod. They asked me, you know, what's the priority for this club? And I have to be honest with you. I don't know what the priority is for this club because it sure as hell doesn't feel like the priority for this club is definitely go win a trophy right now. Would they like to do that? Of course. Of course they would. But is that the number one priority? No. Uh, The number one priority to me has always seemed like top four. And while that's important and that's super, super, don't get me wrong, I'm not diminishing that. That feels more like a financial priority than it does a winning and footballing priority. And to me, this club, more and more, I'm seeing it be run like a business that has a football club rather than a football club that is run like a business. The F1 stuff that we saw this week is is kind of what actually like tipped the iceberg for me. I mean, we've seen this stuff throughout the years of, you know, the the the, the skywalk and the concerts and the boxing fight and the NFL and all the different ways that revenue are being brought into this club through the stadium and and other other enterprises, you know, sponsorships and whatever else. The F1 thing this week that really tipped me off as to I, I don't know if it was just like a, a a eureka moment but it really just has me thinking and i know that there are probably plenty of listeners who right now are saying welcome to the party pal we've been saying this for a while but it just it, it really got my my wheels churning and thinking god the, the priority is a little fucked up here it seems yeah i mean it's it's a fair fair line of thought i you know i think it's a great conversation. It's a great. It's a. It's a great place to start it. I think the the way that I'm thinking about it right now is, firstly, I'm looking at I'm looking at the fact that we are a team that, as fans and as ownership, players, manager, everybody, right? We all feel that we should be capable of competing for major honors. Yet we know what it takes to compete for major honors and we when we can't do that right i know we want to as fans we probably can't 
and I say probably not leaving the door open to say we can, but because I, I'll never truly know. So I have to say probably, right? But we can't compete with Man City financially. We know this, right? The things that we're doing, like the F1 deal, like the NFL partnership, in theory, are what you would have to do to get yourself to a point where you can compete with those types of clubs when you don't have the capability of just injecting cash. Things things that I'm thinking about when I say this, when I talk about actual cash flow, we're still paying off Tongio Numbele right now, right? Those are real financial burdens that we carry as a club, and we can't offload him. And this is one of many examples of the financial burdens that we carry as a club. So there's a lot that goes into it. I agree with you that we are starting to very much show a business that has a football club, but I have to caveat it saying, I think that's the only way that we could become capable of competing and winning for major honors. Now that then begs the question, do they actually care about winning or are they preparing to sell the club? Do they just care about becoming super mega rich from this or is it all, is it both? Right? Do they actually want to win and become rich at the same time? Both things can be in it can be true or happening, right? We just don't know. But what I will say is that right now, people like yourself who who are either starting to or firmly feel that we are a business that has a football club, your perception is not wrong at all, in my opinion. I just can't tell you if there's more at play than what meets the eye and I'll never know. So it's a very nuanced conversation. It's, it's, it's tough for fans though, because it's more than a nuanced conversation. This is the football club that we live and breathe every day. Right. And and we want better results than what we're seeing. So there's there, you know, there's just a lot that goes into it. Yeah, no question. I mean, there, you know, there's two things that I will not take away from this club. It has a rich, rich history of winning and success um, on multiple fronts. And the second thing is that the current ownership has run this thing from a business standpoint that is sustainable. It is profitable. It is. It has the ability to grow and expand. And not only that, but maintain. You know, it's not yeah. a, a club that is in any kind of threat to 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 falter from that standpoint it is sustainable as hell which is awesome because not all football clubs are like that but the other thing is that in you, if you look at the past 20 plus years of ownership of this group there is one sporting accomplishment that they that they that that, that they can lay claim to and that's that league cup uh 15 years ago and mm-hmm. you know we're talking about just over 20 years of ownership and the last one was 15 years ago i mean there are folks who can drink now legally who don't really remember the last time this club won anything and when you come into a season knowing full and damn well that those two league those two cups the league cup and the fa cup are your best chances to end that drought the priority doesn't seem like that to me. It seems, you know, yeah. playing a rotated side like like you did and, and getting knocked out by the teams that you did. Well, here's the question that I have, and I'm not asking you. I'm just, this is a, a hypothetical question that I think we all as fans can ponder. Who is deciding to play the weakened side? 
every single year in the FA Cup. Is it A, Pochettino and Mourinho and Conte slash Stellini, or is it the board? And what I mean by is it the board or the ownership, blah, 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 are they saying, like, we know that we know that the con- fixture list is congested and there's going to be rotation. We need to make sure that it doesn't happen in the league because Champions League is extremely important for the sustainability and growth of this organization. 100%. That's what I think is happening, if you want my honest opinion. Because three managers in a row, who are two of which are cold blooded winners, I just don't see doing the same thing, right? Oh, all three times. And Poch was not a cold-blooded winner, but he fucking wanted to win so badly for this club. And so I just don't see a world where all three of them just coincidentally all play a rotated side in big FA Cup matches. Well, it's a different problem for 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 different eras. You know, the, the, the Pochettino teams were certainly not deep enough to do the things in the league like making top four that were desired and and are still desired at that time while also playing that rotated side and, and having it be rotated enough to be competitive and and, to, and by the way those two semifinals that i spoke about were under pochettino obviously mm-hmm. you know that that's yep. the last the last time we went far in this fa cup into the semifinals was under pochettino when it comes to Mourinho and and I'll 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 bring up Conte now, even though Conte wasn't on on the, the touchline today. You know, th- there comes a point where you bring in a player like Richarlison for where, where the, what they did, and we're going to call that the big rotation of the day. And you would think that would be enough. Now, can I blame Richarlison for the fact that this club hasn't won anything in 15 years? No, of course not. The guy's been here for less than a year and had a bad performance in a knockout cup game. I can blame him for that specifically and say that he should, he should be a better, do a better job and be, be the type of player that can come in and do a job. But it's, it's different problems, but all, all of them are within the same kind of umbrella. It's that not enough's being done and not enough of a, this stuff trickles down for me in in my mind. It trickles down from, it's a mindset thing and it trickles down. And this whole, non-competitiveness in the last you know 15 20 years in terms of winning things actually holding something um you know that's 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 shitty and that sucks man and look Whoa. maybe it's maybe it's just the fact that i live in arizona and i'm dealing with rain right now and i'm gloomy about a, about a loss like I, I don't know man this sucks we're gonna have to go through another year of this this banter shit and i just yeah. i'm done with it man i am sick of it <laughs> Andrew's pissed. No, I mean, I, I feel you. I mean, I'm I'm not so much worried about like the lack of the trophy. I'm not, honestly. I know it's so easy to say that, but like I'm just sick and tired of the lack of fucking grit in these in these types of matches, man. I'm just tired of it. And and I'll tell you what, this all started when we didn't invest for two windows. And then we came in and yeah. look, the club spent money. The club has spent money. I'm not going to sit here and say they haven't. We just spent $40 million on a guy who doesn't play a position. Sorry. I don't mean to dig out Poro. We, we just paid. Okay. So we're spending money, right? And Poro could very well be a hell of a player. I think he could be. But when we didn't spend for those two windows, we didn't invest in the squad. We didn't create competition. And then 
this is the the kicker. Our next window was $150 million on Tongi, Geo, and Cess. That is another, that's another window of nothing, in my opinion, right? Is what it really comes down to. So there's three windows of nothing. And then a fourth window of nothing. And then Mourinho comes in and we buy up Region and we bring back Bail on loan. And there's all these like patches and 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 you know, didn't really work. And then we and now we're, I guess we're at a point where we're bringing in players, but it's on freeze or loan to buys. And, you know, we're finding some purchases for sure. Like we just talked about with Poro and with Richarlison for sure. And that's where I say the club's spending money and I appreciate it, but we're still playing catch up from two windows without bringing anybody in. And then a dud window and $150 million that, like I said, we're probably still paying back at least half of that $150 million right now for three guys that don't even represent the football club. Um, Sessegnon does, but he rarely does. Right. So it's, 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 it's tough. And I think when I, when I talk about the lack of the squad depth and, and Sanchez today and things like that, like our next up are not guys who are chomping at the bit for the opportunity to be that guy. They're guys who know they're, they're number two and it's not going to change. Like that is why we had our fucked in rotated squads. Like we can talk about rotation all day long, but we don't actually like process what that rotation is on the other side of that rotation. Right. And when that rotation is guys who are dejected and want to leave the club, but can't because literally no one outside of England has money to spend. And we certainly can't take like installments for, for we're still having installments all over the world that we're dealing with. Right. We can't take installments from Italy right now. It's not going to happen. So we've kind of fucked ourselves in a lot of ways, but it really all stems from the fact that our depth is not depth that is chomping at the bit for an opportunity to prove themselves. And when they play, it fucking shows. It goes back to the the defense being the same for the last time, six times they were knocked out of the FA Cup. I mean, it's a microcosm of of what we're talking about here. It's a lack, mm-hmm. it's a lack of churn. It's a lack of yep. it's a lack of rotation depth, but a lack of rotation throughout the team that has just become stagnant. And it's yep. super yep. frustrating. And 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 I think your I think your initial point about this being a product of going, was it two or three straight windows without spending a dollar? Um, I know it was for sure two. I want to say three. I don't know. You know, um, and I know they don't spend dollars; they spend pounds or euros. But you get my <laughs> point. Uh, it's it's. I did not think we would be feeling it for this long, and certainly the pandemic probably has a little bit to do with that too. But, um, but man, it's just it, this is this is getting it's getting shit's getting old quick. You know what I mean? So. Well, and if I could offer like any sort of any sort of thoughts on a solution and. This is a conversation I had with my brother right after the match today, also a big Spurs fan. You know, we or I think and, and you know, we developed this idea through our conversation, I would say. But I now think that the only solution is to bring back somebody like Pochettino and probably Pochettino himself. Um, not now at the end of the season. Right. I don't. I first of all, I'll say this. We're, we are very competitive in the league for our goals, right, of top four. Crazy shit can happen. We're not, like, out of reach of even winning the league. Not saying we're going to, right, but we're competing in the league right now, and we're competing in the Champions League. We're we're okay, right? Today is is, is fucked, but we're okay. It's fucked in a, in a different way. It doesn't, like, derail the season, though, right? Um, it's fucked in more of the macro, we could say, in my opinion. 
because it points out the glaring issues this club has. That's what today's loss is. But we're okay for the season. But at the end of the season, you have to bring back probably Pochettino, in my opinion, or a guy very similar to him, maybe Desarvi or whatever the fill is at Brighton. But we have to have a manager who, first of all, will play attacking football because this club is desperate for it. And we have players that crave it. Um, I now firmly believe that. We need a manager who can get more out of the squad than than perception would show, right? Because we're always going to have a little bit less than what we're competing against. United, City, Liverpool, Arsenal now, right? They're buying up everybody. We're always going to have a little bit less than them. So we need to get a little bit more out of it to compete. Now, I think with the amount of money we're able to spend and a manager like Pochettino who can get more out of said squad, partly because of him, but also because of the fact that he is Spurs, right? I think that goes a long way. And I think we just have to accept that we're a club that as bad as we, as bad as we want to be city right now, financially, we're not, and I'm glad we're not right. So we need to operate in a manner that suits us, which is to be as sustainable as possible and grow as much as we can every single year and have somebody that gets just a little bit more out of the squad and, and I'll tell you this, this is a very important point, I think, not because it's my belief, but because I truly believe that many, many fans share this opinion. When we got knocked out of the FA Cup for, under Poch, I was at the bar. This is probably right, but this is like every game under Poch. So I'm, I feel comfortable saying this, singing my fucking lungs off. I'm taught them till I die. I'm taught them till I die. Upset and mad at Poch a little bit but I love you and I'm Tottenham forever. Don't worry about it. Let's go get him next time. You know, when Mourinho and, and Conte, like, I'm just like, fuck y'all. Fuck, whatever, dude. Like, and then I just go play Xbox. Right. I just, I don't give a fuck. And I think that's the, that's, that's what I want the club to bring back because if we don't have trophies, we at least have that. Right. And I do think with, like I said, with that comes a man who, if you start, investing and spending in his process and his mentality and his ethos, he can get a little bit more out of that squad and he could compete for a Premier League title with a Kane and with a Sonny and with a few other pieces. And so I think that's our only solution. I think it's it seems pretty obvious that Conte is not going to be around next season. I'd be fucking really surprised if he was, and I think anyone would be at this point. So I think, you know, I have a ton of respect for Conte. And I know this sounds a little reactionary, so I want to close it with some, with maybe some more pragmatism, right? Like I love Conte. I think he's a fantastic manager. He's had a hell of a year. I think he's capable. He, he's even capable of going on a run and winning the Champions League. I have that has to be said, right? He's capable of a lot of things, but I don't think he's around next year. And I think the best thing for the club is to just see what we can do this year with what we have, and then really start looking at the macro and fixing some of that. And the first move is to get a manager in who's going to allow you to do that a little bit better. For me, that's Poch. So I don't know if that's a reaction to the loss today. I've kind of felt that way for a while, and you know that, right? I probably even said his name on the show a couple times at this point, but I love and respect Conte very much, but I just think it's better for the club if we go in a different direction, and I think it's very clearly Pochettino for me. So we'll see. To to your point, I mean, Abbey is a very – no, no, you're fine, man. No, it was, it was, it was great. I, the the thing I keep coming back to, and this this goes for for all sports, really. 
and it can go for 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 certain parts of life you want to you want to give a damn about things mm-hmm. good or bad good or bad you want to be angry when your team loses you want to be happy when your team wins you don't want to be apathetic you don't want to mm-hmm. not care because that's actually that's actually worse the, the worst thing um because the second you, you the second you start to not care and not feel the wins and not feel the losses that's dangerous that's when that's when a club should be concerned and i do i do get what you're saying in terms of the feeling of this club since pochettino left there is more a feeling of, of apathy and I, I i don't know if that's a, a a very shared fan experience a very shared experience throughout support the supporters but the vibe that i get is that it's there, there is something of that there and that's really it's dangerous i mean i know i know it all too well a lot of people not many people will will get this but I'm a Maryland basketball fan and Maryland basketball went through this, you know, the, uh, a college basketball team that is a frenzied team that, that won a championship just over 20 years ago. And after the coach Gary Williams left, there was apathy and now there's a new coach and they're starting to get a little bit of that feeling back. And the apathy in the middle of the, of all of this was not good. And, and it's not, you want to care more than anything. And um, it's tough. It's tough to feel, like not it's I, I know I know what I'm about to say is 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 crazy, but you'd like to feel brokenhearted when these types of losses happen. And today I'm I'm pissed, I'm angry, but I'm not brokenhearted. I'm I almost didn't especially when I saw the lineup, I didn't expect much. I didn't fully expect us to even win, um, if I'm being honest. Yeah. And that's that feeling of apathy is is kind of tough. Um, yeah, and you and you know this. It's not just convenient speak for me. I've been pretty apathetic around Spurs for for some have. time, right? No question. Um, and again, I it's it's it is what it is. But you know, I think some of that maybe was was things outside of sports too that factored in. But mostly, mostly the club and and where it's gone, right? And I think when I talk about what Pochettino meant for this club and why I think it would do some good for this club right now. I've talked about it on the show. I I was very fortunate to be able to meet him in Los Angeles. And again, one of the greatest pleasures of my life. I just, I, I was able to thank him for the work that he's done and just, you know, made sure that he understood through our conversation that us as fans truly appreciated him more than he could understand, right? That what the passion he had brought to us as fans was unlike anything any of us had ever experienced in any team we had supported thus far in life, right? And that meant so much to me. And I mean it, if if we were to announce him again, I would immediately start crying. Just no question about it. Like it would be, it would be such an emotional moment for me. And I know how silly that sounds, but this club means so much to me. And the fact that I'm apathetic about it, like it really bums me out, you know? And I've had, I've had the thought process, like, will I ever care as much as I used to? Like, what is this? You know, this is fucking weird. I don't like it. I've got the club tattooed on my fucking chest, right? Like what the fuck? Um, And it's not the club. It's just some decisions that have been made and the place we're at. And again, you can even say it's some of it's on me, right? For being apathetic, but we're never without blame as people, but I think we, you know, I just know that bringing him back would 
would bring me back to to where I've been with this club before, and that would mean more to me than than a lot of people understand. I think you understand it, but more than a lot of people would understand. So, no question, man. Well, we get to go again on Saturday. Uh, a, a nice, easy trip to the Mall New and to face Wolves, which I say tongue in cheek because I don't think it's going to be easy. Um, I do think, you know. Wolves are not a team that is, uh, I mean, this is a team that's battling relegation this season, but um, it, 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 it's always a tough trip and uh, it should be, you know, it should be a, a less rotated side, but still it's, it ain't going to be easy, especially when you're then turning around and again, playing midweek um, next week yeah. against Milan. So uh, well, it'll, it'll all be tough. Yeah, man. And I think this is, this is where we're going to learn a lot about this club and what they can maybe do the rest of the season, because they're going to have to really dig deep, I think, to find it for the same against Wolves, because look, this hurts them way more than it hurts us as fans. I guarantee it, right? They're sniffing a trophy at this point in the round of 16 in, 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 a, in a competition that's only domestic, right? So um, they're hurting. They've got a big fucking game next week in between the time they have to play Wolves and they're going to be hurting. So I think they'll it will really learn a lot about this club and how deep they can dig because top four is a lot to play for, but it's not a trophy, right? How bad do those boys want three points at the Molyneux? I'm, I'm very curious to find out. I hope they're hurting because uh, apathy on the players' part would be way worse than apathy on the supporters' part. Yeah. Uh, I know one guy was here in Harry Kane. I saw no it on the uh, yeah. camera. So there's some, and, I, and you know this, right? I I'm think there are plenty of, I think there are plenty of players who were hurting after this. I, I think there were plenty of players who gave an effort. I'm not saying all the players looked um, apathetic. Totally. I mean, hell, yeah, yeah, yeah. Perisic almost had his leg broken. I, I think he was given an effort. I think Ben Davis was given an effort. You know, there, there, there were certainly players out there given an effort. There were just players that didn't, didn't have it. Um, and when you get enough of those on the pitch in the same night, this is what happens. So, uh, yep. It's unfortunate, but like I said, we go again on the weekend. Uh, we'll be back with you here uh, on the weekend following the Wolves match. Uh, Scott can be found at DSM Spurs. You can follow me at a Stetka. Follow us at Tottenham Depot for all the latest. Uh, and if, as I mentioned on our last pod, lots of content coming over the next week because some of us are going to be over in London for both the Milan and Nottingham Forest matches. So uh, look out for that on the socials as well. We're going to get some video content. Uh, put up and, and plenty of photographs from all of our adventures. So it should be fun uh, if you are so inclined. Leave us a rating and review on your podcast app of choice. And until the weekend, when we talk to you after Wolves, as always, come on you Spurs. Thank you so much for stopping by the Tottenham Depot. Thanks to Scott Bird for our intro music, as well as the tunes you are hearing right now. Thanks to Dakota Booth for our artwork. Thank you as well to our spouses who put up with our obsession with this football club and for all that they do. And thanks to you, the listener, who really makes this happen. Supporters make this club, and you, the listener, are what make this podcast possible. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Tottenham Depot, and as always, come on, you Spurs. <laughs>